Hi there, it's Adam here. Um, Before we get started with today's show, I've got two really quick announcements that I'm really excited to share with you. Firstly, a little while ago, I finished up full-time work in my ad agency job. This was a really tough decision um, for me because DT, the company that I was working for, is a really great agency. Um, I was doing fantastic work. I had great clients, but I wanted to spend some more time working on some entrepreneurial projects. And those are things like the podcast and some other ventures that I have in the works. So, stay tuned for those. And whilst I'm not working full-time, I will still be doing some digital strategy consulting work on a freelance basis. So, if you do know anyone who needs my help, um, please reach out on uh, my email, adam at matepodcast.com. I would love to just grab a quick coffee and have a chat. The second big announcement that I have is, after I finished up at DT, I took a six-week trip to the US with the intention of learning more about how um, America approaches marketing and startups and entrepreneurial things. And also to really give me some inspiration for what's next to come um, for me in my career. And whilst I was there, I took Mate Podcast on the road and I interviewed some of the best and brightest minds from a range of industries right across America. So, this is just a quick note to let you know I've got some really, really exciting guests coming up. In fact, I actually made a, a little preview clip, um, a, a hype reel that you can listen to, um, which which highlights some of the, the cool and exciting people I spoke to. That will run after the credits for today's episode. So, make sure you stick around to the very end. So, now that that's out of the way, I just wanted to let you know I'm, I'm really pumped for what's to come with Mate um, and also the other areas of my life. So, stay tuned. I'll be sharing those as new news uh, comes to light. But in the meantime, today's episode is the first of those international uh, guests. So, let's go do it. This is Mate, a podcast about marketing, advertising, technology and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and I'm a digital strategist and entrepreneur. You're listening to episode nine, and this is the first of a number of international guests I'm going to have on, mate. Today, I'm talking to Joel and Maria House, who are a Brisbane couple who are taking their SEO business around the world. And we serendipitously collided when we were all traveling in New York City recently. In fact, this interview was recorded at the WeWork co-working space in Dumbo, Brooklyn, New York City. You can even hear some of the New York hustle in the background. I talked to Maria and Joel about SEO, what it is, how to be good at it, and how to build a business around it. They share the key tips on how to structure your business to enable you to travel the world. And I ask them the really tough questions like, what's it like running a business with someone you're married to? All that and more on today's episode of Mate. So let's go and talk to them. So who are you and what do you do? So, my name's Joel House. I'm Maria. And we help small business owners grow their business through Google traffic. Uh, by that, I mean over the last five years in digital marketing, I really found that the best quality leads are the leads that converted the highest of businesses, that provided the most sustainable foundation, are those that came through organic Google search. So, because of that, we started an SEO agency that focuses on helping small business owners grow. Yeah. Um, and really working with small business owners' needs rather than what really large agencies deliver, just so they can get the attention and all those sort of things that they need uh, to grow and to prosper. Cool. So, you've mentioned a couple of uh, little things there that I want to drill down on. The first is SEO. What's, what's SEO? Okay. So, SEO is uh, abbreviation for search engine optimization. Uh, basically, the most fundamental understanding is if you go to Google right now, 
and you search for, um, let's say, plumber in your city, you'll have the ads at the top, and then the, the top five rankings, for example, are generally there because they've had someone do SEO on their website, uh, which gets them found there. Mm. So essentially, we help businesses get found at the top of the first page in Google. Yeah, and, and that's a yeah. very valuable, valuable place to be, right? Yeah, well, the benefit of that being top three is astronomical, really. Like, you know, you top one, you get 70% of traffic. You're top two, you get, I think, 20% of traffic. And when you're number three, you get 10% of traffic. So <laughs> That's 100%, right? Yeah. So if you're yeah. any further you're, beyond you're, you're three, you don't exist. Yeah, yeah basically. pretty much. Wow. So it's, it's very important to get ranked number one to get mm-hmm. more business. Otherwise, you're going to have to do PPC, which is more expensive way to acquire customers. And PPC is? Uh, it's pay-per-click advertising. So things like Google AdWords where you pay for every single click. So PPC is those uh, Google AdWords that sit at the very top. They're the sponsored links, essentially. And then SEO is all of the organic listings that come underneath. And, and I guess the, the contention you're making is if you're not in the top three um, or four or five, essentially, if you're not on the first page of Google, you don't exist to a customer. Yes. That's right. So how does one uh, ensure that they are on the first page of Google? Oh, where to begin? Um, so <laughs> The magic, the golden the, question, right? The, the, the magic question. Wow, jumping this quick. Um, we don't muck around. So essentially, there is over 200 different things that Google looks for when uh, picking a site. But at its core, what Google's really looking for is the popularity. It's looking for the site which it sees as being the most relevant and the most popular in the industry. And it does that through various different things, such as what does your actual website say about you? Is your content relevant? Are your H1s or your code actually relevant? How many people are actually friends with this site? And it goes, well, okay, how many links are coming to this site? Linking is one of the most important aspects of SEO. Um, Social media, uh, citations, um, reviews, um, on-page SEO, off-page SEO, um, guest posting. Like I, I think that's really the fundamental of SEO and how you get ranked on page one. You know, you can't really fake it. Like, you've got to be a good business. If you're a good business, then people are going to find you and share you and talk about you and want to link to you. So, although we help businesses get on page one, unless they're good, we can't really do that much. Hmm. So, essentially, there's uh, a range of, like, metadata and, like, I guess, best practices that you should be following in terms of the way your site is set up. So, the headings, what's what's used in the copy, meta tags and that kind of stuff. But on top of that, really, and, and, and the, the fundamental is making sure that you have good quality links coming to your site um, because that's telling Google that uh, you are worth paying attention to. If someone's linking to you, like that's, that's a, I guess, some, somewhat of an endorsement. So that's the way to, uh, to do, I guess, SEO. And, and there's, yeah. there's uh, I guess, what is in the industry called white hat SEO, which is, you know, all of all the stuff we've just spoken about, all the best practices. Uh, and then there's what's known as black hat SEO. Um, so I, I just wanted to ask what your opinion is on that and kind of how that has evolved over time. So I guess the very first thing, and this is where SEO, white hat and black hat's very, um, it's a very blurred line because Google Webmaster policies basically state that if you try and influence the rankings, you are breaking the policies. So yep. SEO in its fundamental form is technically breaking its policies. Um, <laughs> but with, with, with that but said... But also they want you to, to follow 
these best practices so that they can index your site better and yeah. provide a better experience to their customers by showing people the things that they're looking for. So if you're looking for plumbers in New York City, you want to see plumbers that are in New York City, not in San Francisco or Melbourne, right? Yeah. So, or, or, or maybe not even plumbers, you know? Yeah. So, like, they want you to do some stuff, but they don't want you to rot the system, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess where Black Hat came from was people were looking and going, well, we can rot the system. We can put spam sites up. We can sell uh, male enhancement pills. People looking for plumbers. Like, that's the sort of stuff that Google wants to get rid of with Black Hat. And that's people who hack websites and put links in there. So rather than getting a link naturally, they actually hack someone's site and put a link in there. Um, or they'll put ma- massive software out and they'll blast millions and millions of links um, just to try and rot the system. So I, I guess really my take on White Hat versus Black Hat is, um, is, is where it comes from mm. um, and what the it's intention intended. Behind yeah. It. yeah, yeah. And, and, and the good kind of just general overall business rule that I like to live by, which is don't be a dick. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it's a good like policy to live by and to work by don't be a dick and you'll probably be okay yeah that's basically it just back to, to, to loop around back to the very start we were talking about um, well when you introduced uh, what you guys do you spoke about big agencies versus small agencies so firstly what are you guys like what, what's, you know, what's your name what do you do and how do you compare to big agencies and, and I guess like What's your, your point of difference that you're trying to uh, make in the market? So, w- our business trades under Joel House SEO. Um, and the reason we decided to go with that name versus a sort of standard company name is our point of difference is you're dealing directly with the expert. Um, you're not dealing with a sales manager, an account manager, um, or someone who's just getting paid to, to, to show up for work and to do to, to work, you know? Um, we live and breathe this, and that's really our point of difference. Um, I guess the difference between a big agency and a small agency is big agencies are just like major corporations. Uh, there's cracks that things slip through. Um, there's different uh, intentions. Um, they need to run really large overheads to actually support things. So if you get billed $150 or $200 an hour, the person doing the work is only getting $30, $40, $50. Bucks of that. The rest of it's going to going to overheads to middle management, to offices, um, and all of that actually cuts down on the amount of work and the amount of value you get for your money. Um, we're, with us being a lot smaller, a lot more nimble, uh, we've created a system where we can scale uh, quite rapidly, but without the overheads. Um, and that just enables us to give business owners not cheaper SEO, but far more effective work mm. and a far better ROI because at the end of the day, business is all about making return on your money. Yeah. And look, businesses like to work with people. Yeah. Right? Like we hate faceless companies. We hate big brands that don't care about us. And, and I've worked in big agencies and things do slip through the cracks. And there's a, a whole, I guess, plethora of process, I think, that quite often complicates things. So I, I think there are advantages um, to running a business the way you do. And it also allows you to be flexible and mobile and things like that. Yeah. So that's kind of the next topic I wanted to ask you about. Um, we're currently in Brooklyn, New York. So, Mate Podcast has gone on the road to find the best and brightest business people from around the world, and I managed to find uh, more Australians. <laughs> but um, what brought you here to New York, and like, how are you? I guess you know, taking the business on the road. Okay, um, so we, we actually get asked this question a lot um, from other New York people, and it really started about five years ago when we went for our first European trip. 
Um, we did about seven weeks in Europe and absolutely loved it. It was amazing. And on our return home, I think we just realized, you know, we were young. I think Joel was only like 20. I was 21. And we realized, what are we going to do with our lives? Like, um, we wanted more from just working for someone else and going on holidays um, when we're allowed to by them. So, you know, straight away, we're like, we're going to start our own business. So we started a few businesses, all of which have led us to SEO today. And, um, you know, as we're signed to do this, I was like, Joel, what, why are we still in Brisbane doing this? So like, we have a mobile company. We can be anywhere. And um, I've mentioned to Joel ages ago, ever since I was like 15, I was fascinated with um, like 90210 or, you know, any <laughs> movies or shows based in New York. So it like created a fantasy of New York for me, which I always wanted to experience. So um, the minute our business was fully capable of taking care of us full time. We um, decided to pick up and start our dream of, start my dream of living in New York and our dream of then traveling with this business, mm-hmm. you know, until we want to settle down. So how's that been? Um, living in New York. Well, no, like traveling with the business. Traveling. Well, I get New York's our first stop. We've been here for two months now, actually. And you know, I, I think the first month it was hard. We were probably working more than we were seeing New York and that got us down a bit going, you know, why are we working so hard and when we're in New York? Um, and then the second month we've had much more of a balance, especially the last three weeks of actually seeing the place while working and it's absolutely fulfilling. So it's, it's amazing. So it's better than just uh, running a business from from Brisbane out of the the back garage or whatever or oh definitely and I guess the other thing that it's really given us is we're sitting here in New York um we we live in Manhattan we work in Brooklyn I think we've got a bit bit back to front Um, (laughs) but but like you're here in in New York City and everything is just on such a grand scale um and it's really opened our eyes just to the possibilities in the world yeah like in Australia, we're really protected. Like you look at companies like Bunnings, for example, and Bunnings was modeled after Home Depot. Yeah. Um, and you, you can just list the businesses uh, by the dozens that Australia has modified from American companies because they see a great concept and they take it home. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Boost Juice was based on that. Yeah, yeah. Boost yeah. Juice. Um, yeah, there's heaps of fast food re- yeah. um, outlets and yeah. That, that's it. Everything sort of, because America's got a far more competitive marketplace, it, basis drives innovation um what we've sort of seen is just there's a lot more possibility in the world there's a lot of different ways to do things um there's a lot more ways where look in some, in some areas australian marketing is far ahead in some areas it's far behind mm. um but i guess living in new york's just opened our eyes yeah that's actually an interesting point that you made there um which i hadn't considered before like what's the differences that you've seen in in the marketing landscape um and in this kind of area of work here in New York compared to um, back home in Australia? More aggressive. Yeah. Absolutely more aggressive in New York. Um, just more to, I don't know, more straight shooting, like um, more competitive, more um, 101 copywriting. Like I feel like I see more copywriting um, in advertisements than I do at home. The advertisement at home is pretty soft and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's almost assuming sale. Like they don't need to try so hard at home to get you mm. to buy with them because the competition is fewer. Um, yeah. So why do you think that is? Is it just that there's less so people? many more options here uh, to like so many competitors here in, in 
America, so you have to be more yeah, aggressive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like Australia, there's 20 million people in the whole country, so some businesses aren't even going to bother coming into Australia. So you've got Australian businesses or small businesses coming to our market at home, which, you know, you don't have big players coming in, so the competition's not as bad. But in New York, isn't there like 8 million people in New York alone or something yeah, in, insane? In, 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 the, in the city, there's 8 million people, and because of that, you've got all these businesses trying to buy, trying to compete for this business. Mm. Um, so people, people are direct. You'll go on on the subway, and there is businesses directly calling out the competition. Yeah, and they're going straight for the, the throat. Um, they're going for the kill, man. Like it's and obviously there's there's different legal ramifications. But even if it's not, they're on the thing going buy our mattresses. Period. They're the best. Yeah. Whereas at home, it'd be talking about the benefits and all those sort of things. And yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah, we're, 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 we're pretty good. See this, see this beautiful lady lying on this bed. You should buy it. We're here to talk. Come and buy a mattress now. Here's a coupon. Boom. Straight to the point. Yeah. Coupons are massive here too. So coupons and loyalty cards. Every time I go to a, a drugstore or a 7 well, no, not 7 Eleven, but like a drugstore or a grocery store or whatever, they've all got their own loyalty programs. See, I, I think that comes to with what Joel was saying that America's a little more ahead with marketing. Like, I think that's just a marketing technique with loyalty mm. and coupons that every business here is utilizing. Where back home, you know, you get some businesses are doing loyalty card and coupons, not many because they don't need to be as savvy with their marketing. It's interesting. But, 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 say, I guess that also drives to the next point where every coupon is unique to that advertising space. So they're mm. doing a lot more data tracking here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're on the subway and the coupon that they're advertising in the train is different to the coupon they're advertising on the billboards outside the station. So everything is tracked where I think a lot of Australian businesses are a bit lots of fair where they don't really know where their money is going and what it's returning where because it's so cutthroat here, <laughs> everyone is tracking things to the point. You know, like yeah. we, we had a conversation a few days ago about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess sort of the data driven and analytical side here but is I think huge. that's something we can take home with us or yeah, improve definitely. as marketers by being here is just tracking is important, you know? Yeah. Are you getting your return on investment with this particular marketing? So I think we can be better marketers to our Australian customers by being here. Tangible business benefits for being a worldly um, traveling company beyond just we want to see the world and, uh, and work at the same time. Oh, definitely. So that's cool. So what's it like living in another country but working with Australian clients? Has that been a challenge? There has been some challenges. Um, I mean, I can immediately think like the time zone difference would be hard, right? Yeah. Look, the, the times, time zones aren't so much about, are you going to stay up to 2 a.m. to do the work? It's more about the speed and the momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas at home, uh, let's say I get a, a new lead through the website. Within 10 minutes, I'd be on the phone. Within four hours, a deal would be closed. Within six to 12 hours, payment would be made. And they'd be on board as a client. We're here. Uh, just the time zones actually cause a delay where it's 24, 48 hours. Momentum dies off. So... There's that challenge internally for us. Mm. Um, but as far as actually managing and operating a company, honestly, there's no difference. Um, we still talk to our accountant via email. Mm-hmm. Um, we still email our clients with reports. Um, work's still delivered via the internet. So Yeah, you still yeah. had phone meetings. I've, I've still got yeah. phone meetings with people. I'll still pick up the phone. I'll still call clients. I'll still call suppliers, whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's just... Like, we, we all know the world's connected by technology. But it's not until you run a business overseas, you go, yeah, there's no difference between being a laptop in an office in Brisbane or being a laptop in an office in New York. I yeah. think we found when we were in Australia, there was only one client we ever met in person. Yeah. Right. 
you know? So it was like, well, what difference does it make that we're speaking to them over the phone in mm. Brisbane versus we're speaking to them over the phone in New York? Yeah. And I think that's why most of them were pretty comfortable when we said, hey, we're going to New York for a bit. A, a lot didn't flinch an eyelid pretty much. Yeah, basically no one flinched an eyelid. They, no, they, they didn't mind. You know, and I, I, which kind of shocked me. Like it kind of just shows that even, you know, people, it's just becoming more... More globalised. More globalised. Oh, I guess like more accepting that a business doesn't have to be in the same region. So you guys are married and you run a business together and work together. How, how has that been? I think, um, yeah, so we get this question a lot, actually. <laughs> um, and it's, well, let's just polish it off once and for all. And next is, time someone yeah. asks, you can just say, hey, we answered this on this podcast. Go listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we totally will. Um, okay, so I was talking about this with Joel, and we started working together before we even got together. So we right. basically had a professional relationship. Um, well, it wasn't that professional. Like, we were just working in hospitality. Um, together became friends and we instantly, I don't know, uh, what am I trying to say? Like we, we were more workmates first before husband and wife. So our relationship was first. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The, the, the romance was always there, but because our, our goals and our ambitions and our drive all matched, um, we haven't really had hurdles to overcome mm. where like from day one, we both knew we wanted to, we're both high performing people. We both wanted to achieve a lot. We both wanted to impact the world. So because those values aligned from day one, it was pretty easy for us to, to move through. And like Marie said, start businesses really young where I can see for a lot of couples, if, if you're starting from a romantic side, if your values for finances and business and those sort of things don't align, I can see that there'd be a bit, a bit of a challenge there, but we've been really lucky not having to sort of overcome those boundaries. In a way, we grew older. Like, we grew up together. Like, Joel was 19, I was 20 when we first met. You, you base your children then. Like, you're young, you don't really have many. Yeah, you find yourself, basically. We found ourselves together. So we formed into one, one personality, one identity, one value. So working together was just, it's effortless. It's not even an issue. If we were married and we started business together, was, you know, that would be fucked up. That just wouldn't work. <laughs> like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him. We wouldn't have the same vision. So, but it's worked for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. And now we're like the only people we trust to work with in a way. Like, yeah. Well, that, yeah. And that might be a challenge going in, into the future, right? If you, because ultimately you want to grow the business and, and um, you do want to still keep it uh, that kind of human touch feel um, that we spoke about earlier, but you will want to bring new people on board, hopefully, as you grow. So selecting the right people is going to be um, a, a very unique challenge, I think, for you guys that other businesses may not. I mean, finding the right people is always a hard for businesses, but the way you guys work, it's, it's such a tight-knit thing Bringing new people into that might be uh, might be hard. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not really a question. It's just an observation. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask... Um, that awkward laugh. <laughs> I wanted to ask, do you guys ever have challenges switching off from work, given that, you know, you live together and everything as well? I'd like to take this question. I, I think... Joel and I are very unique. We're like, I don't know, uh, maybe we're not as unique as I think we are, but we live and breathe the same goals. Like we have very specific achievements we want to reach. So that everything is life to us. Like work is life, play is life. Like everything is just mixed into one. Like we don't want to switch off from work because that's our livelihood. That's our passion. Um, you know, we 
we have like we know when it's enough like we might be really exhausted from a hard work week and we'll we'll instantly know together that no we don't want to talk about work today today we're just going to clear our minds have fun um other days we 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 have so much momentum that you know we'll we'll work all day go home in the evening talk even more about work we'll wake up in the morning talk again about work but that's because it's passion and it's momentum and we love what we're doing and you know again it's our livelihood not a career yeah so it's and we're doing what we love quite literally and we, we, so. we everything we've created in our life is because we love it so it's not work and not work. It's just, it's life. Yeah. yeah. So we can switch off when we, you know, internally when you, you're like, no, nah, just can't, can't talk about it right now. You know, we, we both feel that basically at the same time or we respect each other. If someone's like, yeah, sorry, babe, I'm just too tired. Can't talk about it tonight. You know, we stop. So it's, 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 it's easy to switch off when we know we have to mm. or when we want to basically. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that though. They, they, they're so focused on what they want to achieve that like business is a part of their life. Mm. Um, you know, there's this kind of old adage of you quit working 60 hours a week, uh, to become an entrepreneur and end up working 80 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I don't want to work for the man anymore. Uh, cause I'm working too hard and you end up working harder for yourself, but you enjoy it, but, but you enjoy it more because yeah. it's like for you. Right. So yeah. Do you guys have any, advice for other Australians that are looking to travel and work or maybe not even just Australians, but other people that are looking to travel and work and do something similar to what you've, you've done. Yeah, definitely. I guess the, the first step um, that we really went through and definitely recommend for anyone who's looking to travel and build a business, like before I get into just want to quickly make a key differentiation um, in the past, I've done freelance work, uh, just individual projects, all those sort of things. Um, and the issue with that with travel is the money's haphazard. Uh, you'll get projects and you'll have lots of money coming in one month and the next month you might be uh, delayed on invoices or just work's dried up. Whereas we've structured the business so that every single month we get paid and that has provided us a, a base to travel with. So yeah. I guess the first thing I'd recommend for people is to know their goals, um, know how much money they want, know how long they want to travel for, know where they want to travel. Living in Asia is a couple of grand a month. Living in New York is a hell of a lot more. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, n- n- knowing your goals and then really reverse engineering it. Yeah. Um, so, knowing how much money you need to live and travel every month and just breaking it backwards and then breaking it down into retainers because we've structured everything from day one in this particular business to travel with. Yeah. We knew we need to be paid at the first of every month so we had cash every single month. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just worked that out with retainers. How many clients did we need? How many leads do we need? How many people do we need to our website to achieve that? What retainer levels? Um, and then how do you make sure you get paid? Um, we do everything through credit card billing. We don't do invoices. Yeah. Um, because money is through the side of the month. It's, when, when, you, when you're traveling, if uh, invoices don't get paid, it causes huge headaches. Yeah. So we just eliminated that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then essentially just thinking how you can structure your business into that sort of model where nearly all professional service businesses, whether it's in a developer or an accountant or a solicitor, can all be done the same sort of model. Yeah. Developers can sell development support blocks of 10 hours or what, however they want to structure it. Mm-hmm. Um, bookkeepers can sell monthly packages. It's, it can all be done um, on retainer base, and that's really what I recommend for someone who's looking to travel. 
I mean, this is good business advice in general, I think, but particularly if you are looking to travel, I think. Um, and there's a couple of like little nuggets in there, I think, that are, that are great and specific to traveling. So, you know, credit card payments and that kind of thing, which is probably a bit more unique than invoicing. And, and that saves you time, but also effort in terms of having to follow up and chase people and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It also protects relationships with clients. Mm. You, you get paid, they pay. You, there's never any tension of... Mm. Yeah. Yeah? And just yeah. help ultimately it helps you deliver the best work you can to them. Yeah. Helps definitely. everyone get the most out of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ray, did you have any thoughts on traveling and working or how that's kind of gone? Actually, there's something I spoke to Joel about a little while ago. We, um, we were, I guess we spent so much focus on the business and building retainers that we didn't get a chance to have um, a big buff of cash put aside as well. And that would be a massive benefit for someone who's running a business while traveling. You want to have heaps of cash with you. So you have the flexibility of, you know, there's one thing to have enough money to live, but there's also another way to have money to do things. Like if we want to go to Florida um, for a weekend, you know, that's going to cost what, like $2,000. We'll probably have to pick up a project work or we have to get a new client. But if we had that cash put aside, we could just do that and relax, not have to work really hard in order to get that trip. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's a good idea to have cash with you as well as having a retainer work. Yep. Yeah, cool. I guess on that note of traveling with business, something we again discussed earlier was the benefit of building a business and traveling rather than doing freelance rather than traveling or savings is we can travel open-endedly without guilt. Where like I know a lot of people have gone traveling in their early 20s and they've traveled for four or five years and they're coming home at 26, 27 and they've got no career, no education, no money, no anything, where if you actually build a business to travel with, you're coming home at the end of your, your travel, however long you want to be, whether it's six months or six years, yeah. and you've already got your career, your future, everything set up and just, just, just moving. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a very open-ended sort of thing um, that just allows you to live in the here and now and enjoy it, knowing the future is also looking off, taken care of. But not everyone can do that, right? Yeah. So not everyone wants to be a business owner. No, not um, and uh, I guess, like, it depends what... I think it really comes down to what you're trying to achieve as well. Yeah. Because if you are traveling for a year and you just want to go find yourself, then maybe working while you travel is not the best way to do that because, no, you know, you guys are... You, I, no, you, you're right. We, we found ourselves in our first trip, which was a savings-based trip. Yeah. Um, whereas if someone's looking to find themselves... Yeah, but I guess we're not giving advice to those people. No, no, we're, I guess we're talking to, to people who, who are looking to travel or who yeah. are doing freelance. Yeah, because we have, we have a lot of friends at home who want to travel and work as well. Yeah. And like, I think that's starting to be the new way to travel because I think a lot of people are yeah. going, well, I either have to work in a job for a good three to four years to save up as much cash and live a stint as I can. And leave. Home. And yep. leave, live at home. Like, you know, that that's a lot of sacrifice versus, all right, just making a business on the side. Yeah. And, and, and traveling with it from there. Yeah. And then I guess you're right. That's, that's really the people who, who we're giving this advice to is people who want it. And I guess also who don't want to, to feel like they're traveling with any sort of regrets going, oh, maybe I should have bought a house when I was 23 instead of traveling. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to, and again, to, just to go back to what I was saying before, it really comes down to what are you trying to achieve? Like, what are your goals? Yeah. If you want to, just go and have fun, then maybe just go on a holiday yeah. because working sure. while you're traveling does take time and yeah. you don't get mm-hmm. to be a full tourist for that reason, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, if you want to 
buy a bunch of properties and whatever, then get into the property market as early as you can and start buying. And then maybe don't travel until you get to like 40. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. And and yeah. do your twenties and thirties hard so that you can relax later on in yeah. life. That's or, yeah. Is, yeah. If you want to do what you're doing, then do what you're doing. We're actually combining both in all honesty. Yeah. Cause we, cause we, we, we want to achieve the property side, which is why we're doing it this way. Just like I said, find what works for you. Yeah. Don't listen to our advice and think our advice is principle. Don't listen to people who say, just keep a job. Don't listen to people who say, just travel with savings. Like, find what's right for you at your core. Mm. Um, yeah. And then if you're business-minded, if you're uh, technology-minded, like, technology can help you achieve whatever you want to achieve. And that's really what we found through this is 10 years ago, what we're doing right now would not have been possible without technology. Yeah. Period. It's a different world, right? It's you, you, People say it's a different world, but... It is so different to what you even conceive. Like, yeah. I guess with you, you're, in, you're here in New York with us yeah. recording a podcast right now. Yep. Podcast didn't exist 10, well, maybe, yeah, probably 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and we been out it like this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very unique. Um, I wanted to just ask uh, about the business um, at, at the kind of core level a little bit. We were talking uh, the other day about what you guys do and you started off kind of doing a plethora of different um, of different services and you sort of started to hone it in and I just wanted to explore that a little bit. What were you doing in the beginning and then where did you get to? Why did you decide on SEO? And I think, yeah, can I... Okay, if, if we go way into the beginning, do you think I should go... Yeah, we'll go way into the beginning. We actually, as soon as we came back from our Europe trip in 2011, we... Um, we actually brought a course called eBay Magic. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it, it teaches you how to sell on eBay. Now, this thing was really hot at that time. It was actually really popular, and we did really well on eBay. We, um, we actually did so well that we had enough confidence to quit our jobs and actually start our own um, importing business where yeah. we were importing from China um, different products such as juices, blenders, scales, body fat calipers, measuring tapes. And that was really, that was exciting. That was awesome. And along with that, we had to learn how to market ourselves mm-hmm. because eBay is a, is a lead generator and you're against all these competitions. You need to figure out a way to be the best person there. You know, why should they go to you? So we learned copywriting. We learned um, marketing. Joel's always learned digital. He's known digital marketing about for the last 10 years. So, you know, it's always something he's known, but we really got into um, persuasion and sales copy at that point in life. And um, when competition started to increase, we needed to figure out ways to stay afloat in business because this was our full-time income. So, Joel, um, didn't you commit to – you started freelance work and you started doing copywriting um, projects. And you were really good. Joel was really good at that. And then he realized copywriting is one way, but, you know, also what's powerful is getting people to your website, you know. So then he started learning – SEO, you know, you started following and educating yourself with marketers and business people and basically self-taught yourself, which I think a lot of SEO people do, self-taught. Well, there's no, like, university degree on search engine optimization. No, no, I guess. I I think it's actually been released in the States, though. Oh, really? Yeah, I read about that recently. Well, it is, like, Um, a bit of a science these days. It's like an $80 billion industry. Yeah. It's it's huge. Yeah. But I I guess... um, to take it a step further from where Maria was going, as we sort of went through and grew our service base to copywriting and to Google AdWords and to email marketing and to Facebook marketing, sales funnels and video sales letter scripts and all the stuff, like we, we're providing everything. We got to the stage where someone would pay us a lump sum of money and we'd 
basically create a business for them. Yeah, that was, mm. that, was um, that hurt sometimes. We'll, we'll, we'll sit back <laughs> and we'll, we'll drive traffic and we'll write sales copy and squeeze pages and emails and everything. They would make the point all the money. They put $1 and yeah. they get $5 out at the end. Fantastic and brilliant stuff. But what we found with that is it's really hard to scale if you do everything because we need to put a lot of attention to one thing. And I guess from a business point of view, for us to charge what we needed to charge to essentially get our value, business owners had to put up a very large chunk of cash, which a lot of people, although we had the proven results, a lot of people were skeptical of. Mm. So in order for us to scale, we had to niche. And initially we niched just into traffic generation. So uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, search engine optimization, um, sort of content marketing. Um, and then we looked at it again, we're like, well, we can't scale that enough because you still got to have all the broad skills, you've got to set the top of your field in every skill. So we then just went and niched again down to what do, do we see as being A, a growth area and B, an underserviced area. Mm. And that, that was SEO. Um, and that's because the vast majority of agencies out there offering these services either A, take people's money and don't deliver anything. I've seen that many times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more times than most people would care to imagine. So we, we really did it based on what helps people the most, uh, in our opinion, and also what was under service. What was what's a problem we could actually solve? Yeah, yeah, okay. And then how? What sort of results have you seen from that? From niching and then niching again. Um, for ourselves, uh, sustainability. Uh, when a lead comes to us through the website, a they found us by searching for an SEO in their area, and because we're ranked. Uh, in the top three or top one for most of the towns we target, they're going, well, these guys clearly know what they're doing. You look at someone in Google and we yeah. found that. Um, so that puts a lot of authority across for us. Yeah. And B, because we're known as the SEO experts. That's what we do, period. Yeah. We, we pigeonholed ourselves, but we've also risen to the top of the market because of that. Um, so from a positioning point of view, it's been really good. Ferrari makes sports cars. They don't make four-wheel drives. Mm. You go them for a sports car, same thing with us. Um, so growth-wise, honestly, yeah, look, we'll probably never be as big as a giant or like a yeah. giant agency who offers web design, web development, you know, CRO, um, you know, AdWords as well, you know. But we're not trying to be a big organization. Yeah, if we want, yeah, be. we don't want to be that. When when we want to be a nimble, lean business, and you know, we want to just specialize in SEO because we know that two of us can manage. Almost 50 clients. We, we, we can manage a lot of clients with the systems put in place. And because we've niched, we've been able to put the effort into the systems where if you're scheduling yourself out, um, you've got to get a project manager to put together a system for a web design project or for an AdWords project. Um, and because we've been able to really systemize things, clients are getting better results and our margins are going through the roof. I think although you make more money doing the other way, diversifying, you probably will overwhelm yourself and you'll probably be working harder so your return on investment would be smaller than us who are just niching. Yeah. Well, yeah. it depends on how you define return on investment. So return on investment in terms of dollars, sure you make more money, but return on investment to return on investment in terms of time, lifestyle, like what are you investing? Yeah. You're trading off things to get more money or to grow the business more. So yeah, again, to go, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. And yeah. from this conversation, it's been really apparent that you guys are kind of a really like down to earth, um, like high touch personal business where anyone could, any of your clients could jump on the phone and speak directly to the person who has set up their campaign or their whatever and say, Hey, what's going on? Can you give me an update? And that's great. Like there's no hoops to jump through. There's no middleman. There's no nothing. Um, 
And that's what you guys want it to be. So that's the way you've structured it. There will possibly be a point in the future though, where you do want to like, because you see this with a lot of businesses, they kind of end up doing a lot of things. They end up niching and that's where they start to find some success. And then when they want to grow the business to the next level, they slowly start to broaden out again. It's kind of like the diamond and you go in and then you go back out again. I'm just making visual signs here, but I realize (laughs) that on a podcast, you can't see that. So, (laughs) Uh, So... is that something that you guys see for yourselves in the future? And, yeah. and what does that look like? Obviously, you won't go back out into the, the hugely broad um, thing that you started with, but, you know, you might start to add on complementary services like AdWords, for example, and this and that. And then- I guess from a business strategy point of view, we're very clear in our goals um, in the sense that we want to help as many people as we can. And because we're providing a huge amount of value, uh, get compensated accordingly. Mm. Um and really keep to the core of our business because in the past where we've diversified out within in-house, um, the quality of everything's gone down. So in the future as we look to grow, we'll probably we'll probably never hire a team of developers, but we'll find a web development agency who we really stand behind and we'll partner with them. because uh, they and someone who specializes in web development. So our clients can get the best quality web development um, and also the best quality SEO. And we'll do the same thing with AdWords and each thing. So rather than us actually growing internally, we're going to focus on what we're really, really good at and instead find the best people in, the, in their industries respectively to help our clients get the best results. So that, that, that's more of a business strategy point of view for us. Yeah. Um, we'll never be a multinational company, uh, but that, again, like we said before, it comes down to your goals. What are you really trying to achieve? And that fits with our goals. And I guess anyone saying business has to get really clear on what they want the next 20, 30, 40 years of their life to look like. Mm. Um, and that really, that's, since we've done that, that's guided our decisions for all those sorts of things. So how do you like m- make those decisions about what your goals are though? That's, that's, that's the hard part. Because once you have a really clearly defined strategy, it's quite easy to follow. But how do you define that in the beginning? Because you have so many ideas, so many possibilities. How do you go, I, oh, I, I want feel to- like it's really crazy, but it's almost like we knew exactly what we wanted straight away. I guess we, we focused on how do we want our life to be. Yeah. How do we cool. want our day to be? We wake up in the morning, what do we want our day to entail? What do we want our weekends to entail? What do we want our weeks to entail? Um, Basically master planned in our life. Yeah, we did. We were we reverse engineered again. We said, what's the ultimate goal we want? And we have like a certain goal of reaching by like 40. We want a certain outcome, certain lifestyle. Um, and then so we worked that all the way back to today, today to now. And so I guess that's something anyone can do. Anyone can sit down and think, close their eyes and go, what do I want in 20 years? How do I want my life to look? And by doing that, you can then, like I said, find, find out what you need then, break it backwards to create a strategy today. And because you've got that big why at the end of it, it makes sticking to your strategy a lot easier. Um, and look, it's not easy to find your why. It's taken us, yeah, about, gonna, it's taken us about five years, to be honest, a trial and error. <laughs> To really get down to what is our core beliefs. But I think in the end, it's always been basically the same though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like we have, um, I, I know I'm really spiritual in the fact that I feel like everyone's put on this earth for a certain reason. And Joel and I instantly realized what our reason was really young. But I think some people's reasons, they don't need to know why they're put on this earth. Some people are meant to be alive just to live and just to be contributing to someone's day or to someone's 
uh, I to, don't to know. Have a family, to be a great friend, to yeah. So not everyone yeah. needs huge goals. Well, some yeah, right? some some people like don't want to have a career, right? No, like they, no. Good they for just want to go yeah. to work nine to five, make their money, and be like the best mum ever. Oh, have yeah. fun, just party, drink, live for the moment, YOLO. Like sure. I res- I respect that sort of life. You know those goals. I think yeah. everyone's just got. Alan's just a very you know. Yeah, but, but it gets like from what you're saying, like there's too much pressure on. A society and achieving society that everyone has to be right. We're going to go and make a million dollars a year. That's not the life for everyone. Mm. So everyone's purpose. Yeah, well, because there's the sacrifices you need to make to make a million dollars a year. There's huge sacrifices you need to make. We've made a lot of sacrifices, a lot, and so and, far we're trying to achieve our goals. Yeah. You know, so I think it, it takes certain people. Um, and no one should ever feel bad. It's just it's about finding what they want. Yeah. What is important to them. So tell me, what have you had to sacrifice to make this dream a reality? I guess social life, probably. Yeah. No, I think I think that's harsh, but I mean, living for the moment. Like I think the in the beginning, Joel and I were working on weekends, working on evenings. Um, we didn't go out as much um, because we started to get obsessed with health because health was a vehicle for us to achieve our goals. So pretty early on, we stopped drinking alcohol. We even followed more of a plant-based diet. And for all those reasons, you become less social um, just in order to achieve your future goals. Mm. So you sacrifice a little bit living in the moment so you can have a better future. Uh, yeah, and I guess all of it is possible because you've got that, that why. Yeah, so but that, that's a sacrifice yeah. we're happy to make because the future is, is going to be worth it in the end for us. But that, yeah. that's the sacrifice is not living for the moment. I mean, I call it a, I, I, I called it a sacrifice, but, um, and some people would think it's a sacrifice, but if you are really clear on your why, then it's not so much of a sacrifice as it is a logical choice. It's no, a decision. You're right. right. For us, it's not a sacrifice. So I feel the need to say it is to other people yeah. because for them it is yep. going, wow, you know, that that's huge. Mm-hmm. What's, what's really exciting you guys right now? Honestly, the possibilities in the world. Um, it's going to sound corny, but the world is so full of possibilities. And as you start traveling, you start seeing it. Um, whether it's, and I guess for, for me, I'm very uh, tech focused. It's what, what is happening in the world of technology, what is, what's meaning for marketing, what it's meaning for businesses. Um, and it's just things like connectivity. Uh, it's the opening of marketplaces. It is the speed of delivery. It's it's so many things in that angle that's really exciting me. And it's looking forward. What's the next 10, 15, 20 years holding for us? Mm. If you look where we were 10 years ago to today, <laughs> you can't predict 20 years out. No. I, I feel like for me, what, what I'm really excited about is while traveling, it's made me realize what I really, really want, like what I want to go home to. So I'm actually... Now that I'm getting really clear, like when I go home, I want to start my own green smoothie bars. I want to, you know, have markets in the stalls. I want to um, just start doing my own food delivery service, healthy food deliveries. Uh, and that is what I'm excited about. And I couldn't have understood or realized what I wanted until I left the comfort of home mm. to travel. So, like, you really you get more excited about life when you go out of your comfort zone and traveling is probably the funnest and best way to do that. Yeah. I've spoken on this podcast before about um, getting outside your comfort zone and that is where all the magic happens. Like if there is no fear, you are not pushing yourself hard enough and, and you're, not, um, you're not learning. Like 
that you just, and look, a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. When I find myself getting too comfortable in something, it's like, okay, cool, it's time to change, which yes. is what happened with me in my job. I was like, cool, I'm feeling comfortable, time to quit um, and leave the country and then figure out what's next because it's like, well, what's the next thing? Honestly, it's funny you say that. Like, as I was telling you, we went to a, a film premiere in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, company called Rooftop Films was thrown the film. And this is part of the thing we started about. It's the fact that Netflix produced the film. Really cool. Um, Ten years ago, they didn't exist. And just in this open-air cinema, 500 people there watched the film. It's called I'm Not Your Guru. It's getting released, I think, on Friday um, on Netflix. And then at the end of it, uh, Tony Robbins comes on stage. Um, this is a guy with half a billion dollars um, from Miami. flew up to jump on stage and obviously talk. Um, but something that they're saying is it's not achievement in life that makes people uh, happy. It's growth. So if you get comfortable, it means you're generally not growing. Yeah. And if you're not growing, you're inside your comfort zone. So the best way to really achieve happiness and fulfillment in life is to take to the next level and jump outside your comfort zone like you did with quitting your job, like we did with flying across the world to New York. Yeah. Um, and obviously, people don't need to take that greater risk like we've all done. Hmm. But it's pushing outside the comfort zone is really what creates happiness and fulfillment and growth in life. Yeah, and it's probably different for different people. Like for us, we had to we did some drastic things, but um, you know, it might be just taking up a new hobby, right? Like that takes yeah. you outside your comfort zone. And yeah, totally. it's, it's interesting you said um, growth is what uh, gives you people fulfillment. I was actually reading some psychological research lately um, about what what drives happiness in people and uh and happiness is not derived from achievement um happiness is derived from the pursuit of meaningful goals so you don't even need to to achieve the goals you just need to pursue them Mm -hmm. um and they need to be meaningful to you so uh that 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 means um actually getting outside your comfort zone and trying new things but like it's just so interesting you don't actually have to like win the race you don't have to make a million dollars you don't have to you just have to you just have to go on the journey to try. Yeah. And that's like, that's mind blowing that we can, yeah. we strive for something, but it's not, I don't know. I, I just it's, find that really. It's not the achievement that makes you happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the hardest part is taking that first step towards your goal. It's not actually achieving the goal is not hard. It's that first step. Yeah. Cause like once you take that first step in, you know, your achievement process then you can take that other one and the other one. Yeah. And and just like working out, you get stronger every single day. You produce an additional piece of content. You grow to another promotion. You, whatever you're trying to achieve, it's just strength builds and momentum builds. And then suddenly life is far more enjoyable. Yep. Yep. Love it. It's a a nice uh, uh, tone to kind of finish on. So just to, to round it all out. Who do you guys think I should interview on Mate next? A New Yorker. I, I feel like like a traditional New York person. Want to know, I don't know, their scope on life and, I don't know, get a different perspective? That would be, that'd be my input. So someone who's lived here and, like, really understands the New York hustle, the, the kind of grind of living in yeah. the city that never sleeps. Their yeah. perspective on tourists and, you know, what it's like living here and maybe some golden tips and nuggets from them, like, mm-hmm. you know, best places to go, best things to do. Yep, I, I agree. that Because no, everyone wants, well, not everyone, but, like, a lot of people would like to come to New York. So I think yeah. getting that inside information is great. Yeah. And I guess yeah. I, I, I agree that with, with someone based in New York and I, I could not name a name. And obviously the first name pops to mind, Gary Vee. 
Uh, <laughs> episode nine, Gary V. We, we can hope. This is um, this is uh, Joel Beck. and Maria calling you out right now, Gary, to come on the podcast. <laughs> yep. uh, I hear Adam's got some nice Australian wine for you. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's it's that level of hustle, which if you take that into the rest of the world and the New York hustle we see everywhere, man, the world's your oyster. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, us. thanks, Adam. Thanks for listening to Mate. Now, don't go anywhere. Don't forget to stick around after the credits for a quick preview of some of the incredible upcoming guests. Um, I'm really, really excited about the next few months of Mate, so don't miss it. But before we get to that, I have a few shout outs. Firstly, Joel and Maria House, thank you so much for coming on the show. But more importantly, thank you for making me feel so welcome in New York City. Editing and mixing help for today was provided by Josh Armour. Thank you. Our amazing, colourful Mate podcast logo is by Courtney Carmen, and the music for Mate is by Nine Inch Nails, used under a Creative Commons licence. Now, I have show notes for the episode, which can be found at matepodcast.com slash nine, that's the number nine, and if you'd like to keep tabs on any future Mate updates, you can follow me on Twitter at matepodcast or on Facebook. And if you would like to give the show a virtual high five, please leave me a review on iTunes. Um, Like these very wonderful people, Physio Brad and Mike Australia. You guys rock. This was Mate Podcast and it was recorded in New York, USA. But as always, it was made with love in Melbourne, Australia. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and this was a Jaffrey product. Bye for now. I think podcasts are fun when you're the um, person being interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get the whole time to talk about yourself. <laughs> like, who doesn't love that? Qantas flight QF93 to Los Angeles. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome aboard. Thank you. This is Jeffrey. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Captain speaking. I invite you to sit back, relax, enjoy Thank this you. flight. America, here we come, baby. Soon on Mate Podcast with Adam Jaffrey. I'm Bob Norp. I'm a consultant and a podcaster. My name is Sabrina Must, and I'm a writer. My name is Manish Sethi, founder of Pavlock. My name is Christopher Rashnat. I am a digital influencer. My name is Paul Ramondo. I am a digital marketer, entrepreneur, and love what I do. My name is Minter Dial. I'm a speaker, shitster, and I try to help companies get digital. My name is Kevin Holish. I am an independent iOS developer based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Rory Aronson, founder of I'm Bill Friedman, and I've spent my entire career in the casino business in Nevada. Welcome to the United States.